The text for this morning's sermon is the same as what we've read, Acts 8, 4 to, 20, 4 to 25. And we won't read it again. Beloved in the Lord, in this little summer uh, sermon series, we're looking at some passages of the book of Acts that tell us about the work of the Holy Spirit. Each passage tells us something different about his work. This rather long passage about the Holy Spirit and Samaria does as well. It's rather long for a passage. It starts with Philip, the deacon, not the apostle, going down from Jerusalem to preach in Samaria and ends with Peter and John preaching in Samaria and going to Jerusalem. In between, we read about the extension of the church in Samaria and the free and powerful work of the Holy Spirit. And we read about a sorcerer's attack upon that work. As we consider this account of the gospel coming to Samaria, we will focus on the autonomous and magnificent work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, by freely giving himself to repentant people, brings about the unity of the church. And we see three things. The Holy Spirit fosters ecumenical unity. The Holy Spirit refuses human forgery. The Holy Spirit demands prayerful humility. In the story about the Samaritan conversion, we have the only record in the New Testament of people believing the gospel, accepting Christian baptism, but nevertheless not receiving the Holy Spirit. Read that in verse 14 to 17. The reason for this unusual incident was important for the early church in both Jerusalem and Samaria to understand. It's equally important for us today to understand. Why is that? Why had the Holy Spirit not yet come upon these baptized believers? Luke understands that it was an exception. The words not yet show that in verse 16. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. The word yet tells us that normally he would have. And indeed in other places in Acts, faith, Christian baptism, and the Holy Spirit are always tied together. The order varies. Sometimes the one comes before the other, but the three are closely tied together. Here in Samaria, they are separated. As I said, it's the only time the Holy Spirit holds himself back from baptized believers. Why? What's the problem? First, we must notice that the problem did not lie with the Samaritans. It does not say that they had insufficient commitment. They're not told to do anything to receive the Holy Spirit. They're not admonished, commanded, or even questioned about the imperfect situation. Nor did the problem lie with Philip. There's no suggestion that his preaching was insufficient. On the contrary, we would sooner say that his preaching was spirit-filled. Consider the effect it had. His preaching was accompanied by miracles of all sorts. Verse 7. And many came to faith, confessed their sins, and were baptized. Verse 12. We first meet uh, Philip in Acts 6. 
He was one of the original deacons, and we're told that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Although today's office of deacon is rooted in founding of the office as we have it in Acts 6, these deacons had a broader calling than our deacons of today. At least Stephen and Philip did, for they were mighty preachers of the gospel. So, if the problem of the Spirit not coming upon the Samaritan believers did not lie with either the Samaritans or with Philip, where's the solution to this Samaritan puzzle? We need to appreciate that uh, Samaria was the church's first decisive step out of and beyond the Jewish church. To this point, all believers were Jewish and closely identified with the church in Jerusalem. That Philip went down from uh, Jerusalem after the great persecution in Jerusalem had arisen and preached to Samaritans, and that it was a mass conversion of Samaritans was no small matter. For hundreds of years, there had been no love lost between the Jews and the Samaritans. The Jews considered them to be half-breeds and heretics. There was a huge racial-religious divide between them. But the gospel of Jesus Christ bridges every divide. The believer of both Jerusalem and Samaria had to understand that, that with God no barriers exist. God withheld the gift of the Holy Spirit until the apostles Peter and John came to Samaria from Jerusalem in, in uh, verse 14 prayed that the new believers might receive the Holy Spirit and laid their hands on them. With that, they received the Holy Spirit. The apostles had an important place in the early church. They'd been witnesses to the ministry, death, resurrection, and ascension of Christ. Christ had made them the foundation of his church. God withheld the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the Samaritan believers until the apostles had come, because it would not do at all for the first church to be established outside of Jerusalem to have no contact with the apostles. If there had been no apostles' visitation, then what could easily have developed was a Philip-slash-Samaritan church that had no relationship with the apostolic Jerusalem church. The old prejudice between Jews and Samaritans could easily have continued. The Samaritan church would have been a sect with no bonds of union with the apostolic church in Jerusalem. If a Samaritan church and a Jewish church had risen independently, side by side, without the removal of the ancient and bitter barriers of prejudice between the two, the young church would have been in schism right from the beginning. But when the Holy Spirit came upon the Samaritans in answer to the prayer of the apostles and in their presence, the barriers were gone for good. In an instant, the Holy Spirit created and confirmed ecumenical unity. That's what's going on here in Acts 8. Sadly, today the church is rent asunder by schisms, but it shouldn't be so. 
It was not so from the beginning. In the Nicene Creed, we confess one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We saw in the, or see in the second place, the Holy Spirit fosters ecumenical unity. There was a sorcerer in Samaria, a man named Simon. He had amazed the people of Samaria. He was a boastful man and bragged that he was someone great. Everyone admired him and exclaimed, This man is, is the divine power known as the great power. They thought he was like God. He had a great following. But when Philip came preaching, the people believed the gospel message and were baptized. Simon himself believed and was baptized. He followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. He became a Philip groupie. In Simon's estimation, Philip was like a rock star. He could not get enough of him. But he had not seen anything yet. If Philip astonished him, Peter and John blew him away. He met Peter and John, these important men from Jerusalem. He heard them pray, saw them lay their hands on the Samaritan believers, and then he saw something change in the people. The Holy Spirit came upon them. Read that in verse 18. Luke does not tell us what exactly was to be seen. The text does not say that they spoke in tongues. Perhaps they did. But but it does not say they did. But there was some visible manifestation of Holy Spirit upon the people. Something that Simon saw, whatever it was, what the visible manifestation was is not important. What is important is what Simon said and did and how Peter responded. We read in verse 18 and 19, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability to, to, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Simon was all about power. For years he had amazed the Samaritans with his power. Now he saw a power that he wanted to have. The power to dispense the Holy Spirit. This he had to have. And so he offered money. Everyone has his price, right? Even Peter. Even God. Right? Wrong. This is the final error of so many. They think they can buy God off with what they do or contribute. Simon is an extreme example of works righteousness. He thought the gift of God could be bought, whereas the gift can only be received. You never buy a gift. When you buy something, you have a right to it. In a commercial transaction, you exchange your money for something that belongs to someone else. After the exchange, the money belongs to the other person, and the thing you bought no longer belongs to that person, but now belongs to you. You and the other person have made a fair trade. But, if not like, like, but it's not like that with the Holy Spirit, as Peter's devastating response makes clear. Peter answers, May your money perish with you, 
because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. The Holy Spirit is a gift. Both giver and gift, as we sang. As a gift, he's freely given and can only be received. Simon was a fraud and a forgery. God rejected his approach. And so God rejects all who come to him with their own humanly devised ways of trying to acquire and obtain the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will not be manipulated. There's only one way to receive the Holy Spirit. You need to do something, you do nothing, sorry, you do nothing except believe and receive. Peter and John did not tell the Samaritans to to do X, Y, and Z to receive the Holy Spirit. Through the ministry of the apostles, the Spirit was given freely. Today, the apostles are not here to lay their hands upon us. There are no apostles anymore. When John died in his old age of about 95, the era of apostles was over. But we have the apostolic word. When the apostolic word is proclaimed, the Holy Spirit is active. When you hear the word of God proclaimed, and when you accept and believe it, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The gift of the Holy Spirit is freely given unto you. And the only thing you need to do is nothing. But open yourselves to receive the gift. Receive the Holy Spirit, beloved. Let him work the total renewal of life in you. If anyone thinks that he can acquire this by human endeavor, the words of Peter against Simon need to be heard. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you're full of bitterness and captive to sin. Anyone who thinks he can earn or buy anything from God is a fraudster. He needs to repent. Pray for the free forgiveness of God. He needs to get out of his heart any notion that he can do it himself and must depend upon nothing but the free grace of God. One who does that will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In the third place we see, what this calls for is prayerful humility. Peter told Simon to pray for forgiveness. All who are held in the grips of sin need to humble themselves before God and pray for forgiveness. We need to accept the Bible's definition of sin. Sin's going against the commands of God. Sin can be either doctrine or conduct. To hold to doctrine that's against the word of God is sin and must be repented of. To to conduct yourself in a way against what the word teaches is sin and must be repented of. Sadly, often people will not humble themselves before the word of God. They won't pray for forgiveness. Do you see that, uh, that Simon did not? Verse 24. Then Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me, 
so that nothing you have said may happen to me. Peter said, Simon, you need to pray. Simon said, no, Peter, you pray for me. He did not confess his sin. So often, too, too often, it happens that office bearers speak to a member of the congregation about their sinful doctrine or their sinful conduct. And the member does not accept the remedy proposed by the elders. I've done nothing wrong, is the response the elders get. There's no prayerful humility, no admission of sin, no humbling oneself before the clear teaching of the word of God. No meekness, but only an arrogant affirmation of how he is right and the elder is wrong. Let none of us ever do that. Place the place of arrogant self-affirmation. Let us rather always be and stay at that place of humility where we confess our sin and pray for the gift of the Holy Spirit. As we so truthfully, <clears throat> truthfully confess in Lord's Day 45 of the Heidelberg Catechism, God will give his grace and Holy Spirit only to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask him for these gifts and thank him for them. Amen.